Hello everyone, welcome to What Really Works, a mental health podcast for young adults and youth. In these podcasts, you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in. What Really Works is brought to you by Discovery College, an initiative run by the Canadian Mental Health Association, Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello, What Really Works listeners. It's me, Olivia, and Becky is here also. I haven't been on the podcast in a long time. Becky hasn't been on the podcast in a long time. Been like a year. It's been a year, I think, since something has been released on what really works. And I think it is almost like a year and a half since you were potentially on it. Has it really been that long? That's wild. Listen, y'all, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. You have a lot of catching up to do. Go all the way back to the beginning episode numero uno a few years ago, I guess more than a year and a half ago, probably three years ago. And you will heed all sorts of lovely tips, tricks, and tools to support your mental well-being. Um, if you've been here and you've been riding the ride with us, I hope you're so excited to to hear our voices and to talk about social media and mental health, which is what we're going to be talking about today. But yeah, man, I don't know. I went on like a travel hiatus for about a year, and I think that like a part of my brain just missing. I genuinely, I genuinely like went traveling for a long time and it was awesome. And then I came back to, you know, the, the routine and the, and the classic nine to five. And I think like, it just makes more sense in my head to just skip over the whole traveling part. So I like started back up where I, where I was. So it's kind of like I lost a, a year and a bit of my life, but like, didn't really, you know what I mean? Like, it just like, doesn't make sense. So yeah, I guess it's been a while been some time to me it only feels like six months is what I was trying to say through (laughs) through that explanation oh yeah it's been it's been a while I definitely feel rusty I was just about to say (laughs) well we can't be that rusty if we're saying things at the same time true we are so in sync but maybe the podcasting is rusty so bear with us it's been a long time since we've done done what really works together but it has not been a long time since becky and i have have chatted so we're super happy to be here to chat with you on the podcast yeah and you lucky folks are getting a two-parter as well like this isn't just one episode you get a part one and a part two so you get to listen to us ramble on about social media and mental health for twice as long um (laughs) which means we have a lot more to talk about I think uh, when we're planning out this podcast, we're like, oh, there's a lot of things that go into talking about social media in general and mental health and the pros and the cons and all the experiences we might have and all those different bits and pieces. So we're breaking it up into two so that it's also not the longest episode ever made. So this is episode one. And this episode came about because at Discovery College, a mental health initiative run by the Canadian Mental Health Association, Kelowna, have just released a Learn at Your Own Pace course all about social media and mental health. So if this topic is interesting to you or kind of listening from this, you want to learn a little bit more, dig a bit deeper, then I would recommend uh, checking that out too. All righty, shall we dive in? 
Let's talk about social media and mental health. Let's do it. Okay. So what what comes to your mind when you think about social media, Baxter? I feel a lot of things. I feel I have a love-hate relationship with them, which I think a lot of people maybe identify with that. Like there are certain aspects I love about it. And sometimes those aspects that I love about it, I also hate about it. <laughs> There's some things I don't like about it. And then on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, but I kind of understand why they exist. So <laughs> so real mixed emotions. Your brain went in a completely different direction than mine did. Yours went in more of like a, we're podcasting about social media and mental health. So like, you know, we should get into the the, the nitty gritty and my brain went to slime videos. I just <laughs> love watching slime ASMR videos on, oddly enough, I watch them on Facebook. I don't use Facebook other than for Facebook Marketplace and Messenger and I guess slime videos because I just can't find the slime content that I want as easily on Instagram, which I really don't know the science behind that. So if anyone knows, would also be interested to hear what you have to say about that. Um, and then the other thing that comes to my mind, <laughs> again, not helpful for the one really worse listeners is those little like tiny food videos, you know, where people, <laughs> people cut like the tiniest littlest piece of cheese you've ever seen in your life and then make like the tiniest littlest omelet you've ever seen in your life. Um, I enjoy that. It like, it brings me peace. But then at the same time, like you said, positive and negative interaction, it also then just makes me have like an existential crisis about consumerism and where exactly these, you know, like bloggers or videoers or influencers are getting these really tiny, tiny things from like, where do you purchase an egg the size of a thimble? I don't know. (laughs) So I think it's just like a world of its own in social media. And like, I, that's why I find it so interesting because it's also like so new in like the grand scheme of things like social media and all the many platforms of social media and the ones that still exist and ones that no longer exist like MySpace like it's all grown so fast and I think it's also changed so much in that in that space of time and I think in that change I think maybe a lot of us are seeing how a big change in like how we use it or feel about it or behave on it because I know the reason why I joined social my first social media platform when was that by the way Ooh. and what was it give us the give us the story I think Facebook was my first you weren't on MySpace at all no no I don't know if you ever played Club Penguin or like any oh, of yeah. those like yeah did you ever play club penguin that you would just meet up in the igloo no but club penguin was like a kid safe and kid friendly like online platform that was kind of gaming but also kind of like connection and social it was media also kind right? of social media yeah but you had like a penguin avatar and you could like collect puffles and yeah they could like come and visit your igloo and you'd like deck out your igloo with lots of different like furniture and stuff i hope there's some really young people listening to the podcast that have no idea what club penguin is or like missed out on that and i i just feel sorry for you because it was really really cool um i guess yeah anyway so i had myspace you didn't have myspace you had facebook as your first platform i don't even know when facebook officially launched but like it was in the early days of facebook I mean, I, the farthest back that my memories on Facebook go, you know, like the ones that pop up every so often are from 
2012. So I'm 26 and it's 2024. So that would make me 14. Yeah, I'm going to have a look. Does those ever pop up for you and you're just absolutely embarrassed by what you were posting? Which kind of leads me to talk a little bit about why I first used social media. And it was um, mostly just to like talk about myself and to connect with people. I look back at those like 2012 posts and I'd be like, hey, just me and at this person hanging out in class. <laughs> That's it. That was my content. <laughs> yeah. And the same, like that was kind of my first interaction with it. So I think I was like 13 when I got my first Facebook account. So I'm I'm 30 now. So that's right. And the big three hour, I hit the milestone. So 17 years ago. Is that right? That was really quick math. We didn't even edit. We didn't even have to edit that, y'all. Becky's going to have to edit how long I paused about mine. And mine was easy. And yeah, it was very much about social connection and like nothing else. It was about messaging your friends on their, their wall. Yeah. Um Posting pics was definitely still a big thing. Yeah, posting pictures, very much about like sharing your experiences with friends. And also there'd be kind of like online challenges, but it would be like tag your friend and like share like your favorite songs and like that kind of stuff, which is super interesting because like that's how that's how I first joined social media was very much about like, oh, my friends are online. I want to be able to like share my photos with them and like see the photos that they've taken or like talk to them online basically and now I barely use Facebook if I do it's for for marketplace pretty much and I probably would say I use Instagram the most and I I originally got Instagram for that social connection piece but I feel I use it more as like a boredom tool or just like scrolling through reels like an entertainment tool now rather than a social connection Yeah, I agree. And if I also use Instagram as a boredom tool, which by that I basically mean I find myself scrolling through Instagram without even registering what it is that I'm looking at on Instagram and without even registering that I'm on Instagram in the first place. Like I'll be cooking dinner or I'll be watching a movie or I'll be at work or in the bathroom or literally anything. And then all of a sudden I'll like look down and I've been on my phone. Like Instagram is opened on my phone and I don't even know how it's happened. It is, I just somehow gone on Instagram. And for the most part, it's like a pretty unsatisfying experience, especially when it is that just automatic muscle memory, boredom usage. Uh, The only other times that I use Instagram also are a little ungratifying, which is basically just using it and having it to feel as though I'm like not out of the loop a little bit of like a FOMO situation with my friends and with my family and things like that or like oh no like I have to have Instagram because so-and-so tags everyone and I still want to be tagged or so-and-so might create a group chat and I still want to be in the group chat blah 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 insert more fear of missing out items here and to be honest I think that's why I have pretty much all of my social media accounts is like all my friends had a Facebook account. So I got a Facebook account and then all my friends got Snapchat. So I got Snapchat and then all my friends got Instagram. So then I was like, okay, I'll get Instagram. And then I started working and every professional was like, you need LinkedIn. So I got LinkedIn. Most of them I've been doing, like I have got enjoyment out of them and like purpose out of them or whatever, but 
pretty much every single one has been because I'm like, oh, wait, everyone else in my friendship group is using this. And I don't, I don't know if you found this, but also like my, my friendship groups have tended to like migrate from like one social platform to like another, like it went from Facebook to Snapchat when like Snapchat first came out. And then like it went from Snapchat to Instagram. And I feel like like my friendship group is kind of just like stuck on like Instagram, but it's because we're over a certain age. It's because TikTok, it's because TikTok came out and then all of us and our friends are, um, well, technically I'm not a millennial. Um, my sister still makes fun of me like a millennial. She is four years younger than me, which is what she's Gen Z. I'm like one year away from being a millennial and she is constantly making fun of me of like how millennial I am and you know, how some things I do are just like funny in her eyes and it makes me just absolutely devastated because I'm only 26 <laughs> um, and you are technically Gen Z right so I uh, yeah so she makes fun of me for being being a millennial <laughs> I am I'm the elder in the Gen Z crew and what was I saying about TikTok oh yeah that basically like I feel like we're at the age where none of our friends migrated over to that. You know, they're like, ah, yeah, maybe I'll download it for a bit. And like, sometimes it's fun to scroll through TikTok, but we're not like, can you even chat on TikTok? Can you have group chats? Honestly, I don't know because I never, I never downloaded it because I didn't download it because I already know how habitual my social media use is. I already know how much time I lose on the social media platforms that I use already. And I was like, I do not trust myself on TikTok. I do not trust myself to for this to not take up even more room. Um, Literally same. I also was like, I don't want another space that I'm comparing myself to other people. Mm. I feel like that's another main kind of category of my social media use is just unhealthy comparisons to mm-hmm. everyone. Like my, even my close friends. Um, you know, obviously a bunch of homies that I don't know, you know, comparing myself for being like less productive, comparing my body, comparing my content, comparing just literally everything. And I guarantee you those, those comparisons are 1% positive, you know, like 99% of the time they're, they're negative comparisons. So it's like, no way I can't download another thing that's unhealthy for me. Yeah. And another thing that's impacting me. But have I undownloaded any of the things, even though I know that they're unhealthy? No, I didn't. I haven't. I still use them all the time. And I use them so much that I don't even notice when I'm using them, which I think a lot of people can relate to when it comes to social media use. Because fun fact, 91% of Canada uses social media in some shape or form, with the most popular being Facebook. Um, I'm going to go on a long spiel here about Facebook and why so many people use it and my theory is because they absolutely have to because of Facebook marketplace and the fact that the rental market is completely dictated and run by the meta universe and even more fun fact I had housing insecurity at some time uh for some time when I came back from traveling because my Facebook marketplace literally just broke just stopped working right when I needed to find a rental And it was the only way that I could find a rental because it's basically the only thing that people my age use and a lot of other older people use as well. Um, I had to like crash on a friend's couch for two weeks and Facebook had no help desk, no help center, no email, no support whatsoever. Eventually just started working again. And yeah, it was super incredibly frustrating. And 
that's probably why Facebook is the most popular because that's my theory anyways, because there's like a real end demand for it. Well, yeah, and that's even something where maybe that leads us into talking about like the way that it can impact is because it can also impact his very real world. Like that was a very real life in-person experience that you were experiencing housing insecurity and one of the main places you can find rentals and like it's especially across Canada Facebook marketplace yeah. is the most consistent place and because that the platform wasn't working for you it like that was having a huge impact on your housing situation and I think it is important you know we talk about like social media in this like kind of like online um very like technology based almost like otherworldly but it has real world consequences yeah and like just taking an inclusive lens with that I think the real world consequences are you know can be significantly more for for other folks depending on their identity right like Mm -hmm. I have seen multiple times and you know people of color or uh you know folks that maybe have a a name that doesn't you know that isn't bob or jim um have a hard time you know accessing accessing connections on marketplace because of a you know stereotype and discriminatory one that that person you know doesn't have um doesn't have genuine intentions when it comes to their you know like their purchasing and their selling and their and their buying power because of just like discrimination and racism and and things like that so that has very significant and real world consequences if you know when folks because of their identity um either their their skin color or their name can't access the same goods that that you and I can easily access yeah so i just think that that's um you know like obviously a problem that we face not only through marketplace and social media and in in the real world in very real ways as well but then like the interesting thing about social media is it is so just like multifaceted because then on the flip side like marketplace is something where a lot of other people like really promote their business you know like i see all the time on marketplace like you know random granny down the street like selling her cookies on marketplace for for 10 bucks kind of deal you know so it does just really show us how how multifaceted it is and where many people kind of experience both both the good and the bad of it and that's why i can like and you know that's why it is good for us to talk about and why we're discussing the ways that it affects our our mental health so we basically we talked a little bit about that that social connection piece how it creates like meaning and connection for us with with our friends and part of that like creating meaningful connection right is some of that like a lot of the connections that we've spoken about is with connection that with people that we know already right there's existing relationships and like helping us flourish or like stay connected and we're getting a lot of from that but it can also help like create like new connections as well right maybe we are looking for a sense of belonging. Maybe we just haven't found like the friends that we want in the community for one reason or another. And maybe we find like, maybe we have a super niche interest in something like tiny cheese cutting board videos <laughs> <laughs> and find 
like that community online through social media too and that connection and that sense of belonging and can create that feeling of like I'm not alone in this and meeting more people right it can be really good for our mental health and I think the really interesting thing about social media is you can create those meaningful connections that are positive for our mental health without even ever reaching out to the person there's somebody on social media that I follow an influencer that does um, more kind of like homesteading content and like really family friendly, like very like natural, natural ways type content, like homemaking content. And she took a break from social media for an entire month and she came back on social media yesterday and I was stoked because her content makes me so happy. And like, I feel as though I've developed a relationship with this person, even though, you know, I've never reached out to them and I don't know them. Um, you know, through engaging with her social media. And also she has a podcast and things like that. Um, and I hope that we can can be that for some people out there too, you know, like, you know, maybe we've never met or engaged, but if we offer like a positive social connection or, or place of gathering or, um, you know, anything, you know, that feels good in your heart, then, then that's a really cool thing about social media. That's quite unique, you know, is that connection with people, people that you don't know, that don't know you. Yeah. And another thing as well related to kind of like social connection and something that there's been research into how it can be good for our mental health or just us as individuals is how social media can like support what they like call like your social standing. So like LinkedIn is a really good example, how it can create connections that lead to things like job prospects. Yeah. They can lead to people like seeking out your expertise and things like that as well uh, where it again is that translation from like online to in person yeah i get just talking about the flip side because i think you know the first part of this podcast is going to be you know a lot of talking back and forth about the positive and then maybe the not so positive is you know something like our our social standing and our connection when it comes to our job and therefore our income is again something that has a really real impact on our lives in some incredibly significant ways. And LinkedIn has tapped into a market and has tapped into a basically a need for now everyone to have to have a LinkedIn because if you don't and if you only have like 50 followers or something like that on LinkedIn, then is my profile or is my job application not going to stand out as well as like somebody else's on LinkedIn, right? So really just also kind of creating a space where people are forced to engage in specific social media platforms or they feel forced to engage in them because there'll be consequences um, that are potentially drastic if they don't. Yeah, and if there's definitely some like careers where it's like it is an expectation compared to others. Yeah, if you're in communications, if you're in public engagements, if you're in recruiting, like things like that, like, I think it is a little bit more of an expectation for sure. I used to um, volunteer for my university's like alumni committee. And one of the requirements for volunteering for the committee, because it looks pretty good on your resume, um, is that, you know, we had to workshop and build out our LinkedIn's. <laughs> so my, my LinkedIn is absolutely baller, but like other people aren't in that 
aren't in that position, right? Because it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of work. And I think there is also a certain level of privilege in that, right? Of, of having the time and taking the time and having the resources and people around you to help to build out that profile and building those connections through like previous work experience. And, you know, there's a bunch of other layers that go into it where, yeah, it's, it's just a tricky, tricky world. Yeah. Okay. So I mentioned earlier, turning a little bit of a, doing a little bit of a flip here is the fear of missing out, which I think we can go a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper into basically like fear of missing out is, is also just (laughs) another way of saying like comparing yourself to others and feeling disconnection and loneliness. And it's definitely, I will say social media has like amplified those feelings for me. Me too. For like multiple reasons, sometimes it's uh, maybe I see like a couple of my friends hanging out and like I wasn't invited and I'm like, oh, okay. Or it's seeing someone even like going on vacation or like hitting some kind of achievement and I'm like, oh, I wish I was doing that. Yeah. And also I think because, because people are posting things that is creating that fear of missing out I then almost like feel like I need to go on it more to see what's happening it's almost like there's like cycle yeah I agree and I want to dive into one aspect of it a little bit more because Becky and I both have in common that you know we we immigrated to Canada Becky from England and me from the states and have a lot of friends back in England and back in the States. And now I live in Edmonton and the majority of my close friends live in BC, either in Kelowna or Vancouver or whatever. Anyway, just like having really close connections that are far away. But then a lot of my friends are all close together. So I'll see on Snapchat or Instagram or insert social media, everyone going out to like a fun concert or everyone hanging out together or, and it just absolutely breaks my heart, man. And I hate watching it and I hate seeing it. And I wish that I could feel happy for my friends, but I don't, I just feel upset. I feel so upset that they're hanging out together without me and I feel left out and I feel lonely. And then I start to get into like all of these, like actually really upsetting spirals of like, oh, my friends don't love me anymore and I'm not connected to them anymore and da 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 So you have that aspect. And then you have the aspect of doing, like like you said, just doing basically a smaller version of that with literally, in my case, like anyone that's on social media of like, why are they doing that and I'm not doing that or whatever. And I think it really links into what you were also talking about earlier is like that comparing ourselves Because, you know, I will see photos of my friends in the UK together and I'll be really sad about it. And then like maybe that same weekend I go camping and I like post a photo of me camping or whatever. And my friends are like, oh, like you live such a great life in Canada. You're doing all these really cool things. Like you live the best life. I'm so jealous. And I'm like, like, and that the same like goes for them. Like I see other people doing all these cool things, but you know, I see other people doing things like that. And I'm like, oh, I wish I was doing that. Like that looks really cool. Like they look like they've got like the, everything together. They're always out doing something. Like I wish I had, had like gone and climbed that mountain today. And I start comparing myself with like, why aren't I doing this? Yeah. Why did I go grocery shopping today? (laughs) Yeah. Instead of (laughs) surfing. Why am I laid in bed just scrolling through Instagram feeling miserable while they're busy doing all these achievements? And I I can sometimes get stuck in that like comparison. Yeah. Which let's just like 
be straight about it. That is so anxiety producing. Yeah. And there are correlations with social media and anxiety. For example, what you just mentioned, you know, we're setting unrealistic standards for ourselves and what we achieve in our life and, you know, what we think is a good day or a productive day or how we should be living um, because, it, you know, social media is disconnected from reality. And yeah, it can be just really difficult to tell you know, what is a filter on, you know, someone's experience, or we're just seeing the highlight reel versus, you know, what their experience actually is like, because we just know so little of everyone's experiences, even in real life. Um, So yeah, just like further sets these really unrealistic standards. If you have listened to any of our episodes before, you would know that setting these unrealistic standards for ourselves is basically just like setting ourselves up for more anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's unachievable, it's unattainable, right? Like if we were trying to do what every single person we're seeing do on Instagram, like I can't do that. No. And I sometimes have to remember that, especially about influencers, where I'm like, oh, wait, I have to remember their full-time job is social media. Like their full-time job is creating content. They are filming pretty much every second of their day and like posting about it. I don't have to be like, oh, wait, that's why I don't feel like I have all this time to do all these cool things. It's because I don't, my job isn't content creation. My job is something completely different. Yeah. I think like, you know, another part that of social media that contributes to increased anxiety is also that validation seeking. You know, like I think the, the sister part to achievements and expectations and unrealistic standards is wanting validation for what it is that we are achieving or that we are doing is mm-hmm. wanting to feel good about ourselves not only within ourselves but then also by the people around us uh, who is telling us who's giving us a pat on the back you know who's showing us some recognition who feels jealous of us like who wants to be traveling or doing whatever it is that I'm doing um who wants to look like how I do in my photo and it's so smart on social media because what better way to measure the amount of validation you're getting than a like that little dopamine hit you get when someone you get a notification to say someone liked your story or commented or whatever and then when you look at someone's post and they have like god I feel like such a child saying this because (laughs) I feel like at my age I should be over this but I'm really not where it's just like oh my god they have this many likes on and comments on their photo and they're all of my friends like all of my closest friends all post under one another one of my closest friends saying all of these things but then no one says anything under mine you know what I mean like oh my gosh just rip my heart out (laughs) I absolutely know what you mean and like sometimes like I'll like post a little video and I'm like this is really cool I'm really proud of this two people like it yeah and I'm like oh I was like oh was it not that cool and then I have to remind myself like no remember how you felt before you uploaded this like isn't that so unfortunate remember what you felt before I think that applies just so like sweeps across all of what we're talking about basically of like oh gosh did I feel bored before I used social media and then I felt bad after I before and then I felt bad afterwards so am I going in with like a bad intention anyway or like did I feel good and positive and then I used social media and then I felt bad afterwards or then positive and then used and then positive again after like we really have to pay attention to those patterns to help us identify 
how we can more positively and more in a more beneficial way, like engage with social media, which we talk about more next episode. Yeah. A few of the other things that kind of can affect our mental health maybe negatively and can contribute to like that anxiety that you were talking about, Lydia. For me, sometimes it's about like the control piece as well. So like, I can't 100% control everything that I see or that I interact with on social media. And sometimes that adds to my anxiety. Interesting. Yeah, me too, actually. I've never thought about it like that. If I'm scrolling through things... And like, for example, it happened where like I've been working with a personal trainer in my personal life and I swear the algorithm must have like worked this out somehow. And it was kind of nice at first. I was getting like tips on like how to like best like work out or like best forms when doing certain exercises or like ways of just like getting a little bit more protein in. But then my algorithm like really honed in on it. Oh no. All I was getting was like, weight loss videos how to like reduce your calorie intake and it was actually becoming really anxiety provoking because I was like I don't want to see any of this this is like too much for me now like I don't want to focus just on on my body and like my strength all the time it's a lot that's what's difficult about stuff like Instagram reels or TikTok is like there's an element of that algorithm learning what you you look at and for like how long so like it's supposed to tailor it to what you need but like I can't fully control it which can be a lot sometimes yeah and I mean it is a it is a platform that a business runs you know so it's not just supposed to be curated for our best interest it's also curated for a company's best interest of what keeps you engaged on a platform what drives business for a platform, etc. So there's there is always, I think, going to be that element of of unpredictability and not being able to like completely tailor your content for what you are like in the mood for or want to experience in the moment. And I totally feel you because I'll be it's very similar thing. It is often with like body related, health related, fitness related content where all of a sudden I'm just inundated and it goes from a very like positive body affirming wellness driven content to like quick weight loss, like fasted, like five exercises you can do to lose weight the fastest. And it's like, oh no, this is not what I'm looking for. So do you want to know a top tip actually that I learn is if you go into your settings, there's an area about suggested content. So suggested content is basically anything that comes up by someone that you don't follow. You can put in words related to suggested content that you don't want to come up. I didn't know that. Yeah, so you could put in like weight loss, dieting, like for example. Yeah you could put that in and it will it won't show you suggested content that's related to that that's really cool yeah wow yeah very fascinating yeah so there's a little tool for you is I mean and just generally like curating your feed right like when we're talking about comparing ourselves to other people right like there's a few people I muted on my Instagram because I was like oh like comparing myself to you like on another level that is like unhealthy and unhelpful for me right now so I'm gonna like mute your profile so I don't see what you're posting and I found that's been super useful yeah I have a few mutes for sure (laughs) I was just gonna say I have another little tidbit that can also be helpful for us when we're thinking about how we interact with social media and how it's gonna impact us 
Give it to me. So interestingly enough, there has been some research done about the way a person uses social media and the correlation it has on their mental health. And it really comes down to if a person is actively or passively using social media. So what they've found is people who actively use social media, so actively posting things on there, actively messaging friends, actively seeking out content that they want to watch and commenting on that, liking that, they find people feel a lot more connected through social media and feel a lot more of those like kind of positive things that we were talking about, having a good impact on their mental health. On the flip side, they've found that people who are passively using social media, people like me, where it's a lot of just like scrolling, not really interacting with it, just kind of like letting it feed me. I'm just kind of mindlessly going through it with like, and quite aimlessly. I think that's a good way of, that's how I feel sometimes using it. They find that's what's connected more with that increased anxiety and the increased feelings of like loneliness and fearing of fear of missing out and comparing ourselves. So like there's a tool in that, right? Is like thinking about how we're using our social media. Like when I like pick up my phone and I go on Facebook or whatever, am I going on it with purpose or am I just doing it to like scroll? I think also probably when we do have that moment of recognition that we've just picked it up without even realizing is then putting it down again, assessing those intentions and then choosing actively whether or not we are going to consume or choose not to consume social media at that time, which obviously like literally everything Becky and I talk about in our podcast is a lot easier said than done. Oh, absolutely. And like, we'll talk about that a lot more in the next episode, because we talk about like, how it's habitual and like why it can be habitual and all those fun things. Another thing that is so much easier said than done is the classic, well, social media tip of, well, I guess technology tip of not using technology before bed. Mm. And especially not using social media before bed because it does and impact our sleep. Yeah. So, and that in turn affects our mental health, right? Like I know that I'm extremely grumpy and have a hard time regulating my emotions if I don't sleep properly. Yeah. I was just absolutely shocked by the fact that sleep debt is a real thing. I did not know that sleep debt was a real thing. I thought it was some like trendy thing on social media that people talk about that isn't actually like super founded in like research when it comes to mental wellness. You know what I'm talking about? Like, come on, like, let's just be honest about it. Like mental health is can is super trendy in some ways and like supporting our mental health and paying attention to our mental health in various ways on social media is a trendy topic. And then you'll find unreliable information yeah I thought sleep debt was unreliable and it is totally real Becky tell us about sleep debt yeah so what sleep debt is essentially each person needs a certain amount of hours of sleep per night it's going to be individual for each person and that amount of time does change like across our lives so like the younger we are the more time we need to sleep the older we get the less time we sleep in general but let's say me as an individual I need eight hours of sleep a night what sleep debt is is for one reason or another let's say I only get six hours of sleep tonight I'm gonna wake up feeling tired and groggy because I missed out on two hours of sleep if I get my eight hours sleep tomorrow night I'm still in two hours of sleep debt 
Like my body still wanting to catch up on those extra two hours from the night before. And what sleep debt is, is basically we just like carry over this, like these hours and time that our bodies and brains are craving. And that's where using technology before bed and things like social media, which can be so stimulating, can be so problematic because it can create so much sleep debt because we potentially aren't getting the right amount of sleep for ourselves over long periods of time. And then we're just becoming exhausted. Yeah. Either by, you know, stimulating our brains too much before bed or just like scrolling on our phone for however long while we were supposed to have already been sleeping as well as the, the blue light from, from our devices. Um, Not only is it like stimulating because of the constant stream of content and how it, you know, engaging social media is, but also because blue light from your devices, like your phone, keeps your brain stimulated by telling it that it is wake time. That one's like an indirect impact of social media, right? Because like social media itself the platform does not emit blue light. However, you can't go on social media without being on some kind of smart device. Yeah. But I find that one a particularly tricky one because I think like the research is like you shouldn't look at blue light maybe like two hours before bed or something. That's so unrealistic for so many people. Let's be honest. Pretty much watch TV until I go to bed Um, or maybe like half an hour before up until I like try and go to sleep. So I think it's about like, like we're not talking about this to be like, turn off your TVs and screens and like switch it all off and switch all the stimulation off. Because like, again, like what we're talking about unrealistic expectations of ourselves, like we've got to be realistic about what we're able to do. So it's just about like, what, what can we do? Is it making sure our phone is turned so that the screen is facing down when we're trying to go to sleep so that if we get notifications, it's not lighting up the room? Is it saying like 40 minutes, 45 minutes before we want to go to sleep, we'll stop watching TV and try and do something different? It's just about like, how can we make this doable for ourselves so that it's just a little bit more supportive potentially? Yeah, I think everything that we've discussed is under that umbrella disclaimer of what are the things and the small things that I can do to support myself better. You know, if it's just like five less minutes of social media today and that's all I can do to support myself better, that's okay. Um, And I think that applies with, you know, basically everything that Becky and I talk about in all of our podcast episodes, because the last thing that we want our episodes to be is overwhelming Um, or create more unrealistic expectations for Becky and I ourselves, but then also for the people that are listening to this podcast and the people that are taking our Discovery College course on social media and mental health, because that just seems counterproductive if, if that was the case. And next episode on part two, we dive into a lot more of the tools, tips, and tricks that we can implement if we so desire in small and large ways to just overall support ourselves better. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else to add in this episode, do you? No, and we will chat with you what really works, listeners, um, hopefully sometime soon. It was great chatting with everybody. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.
again for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can follow us or subscribe to What Really Works. To find more from Discovery College, go to discoverycollegecolona.com.